sense of subtlety, and the Dorim, as we've been discussing, I've put this to you and, and used this framework and this lens from the beginning of the Masechta, is a Masechta that, although um, on the surface is dealing with the halachic issue of Nedarim, of vows and oaths, uh, more uh, conceptually, it's about language. It's about the kedusha of language, the sanctity of language, the use of language, the interpretation of language, the intention and meaning of language. Um, although not an easy mesechta, as you've noticed, it's a, a mesechta that is so important for our day-to-day lives. And as we get to the end of the second perech today, the Masechta turns its attention to the use of language in intimate relationships. And that's an area where um, language has become so crude, so crass, so coarse, uh, that its subtle and romantic beauty has been lost. We've lost the ability to use language romantically because romance does require subtlety. Romance requires engagement of the speaker and the listener. Romance is a dance between two people. It's a dance, in this case, between a talker and a listener, uh, and then the switching around of roles and the other person talking and the, and, and the first one listening. Um, that art of, of romantic conversation, uh, with all its nuance, is the essence of the uh, forerunner to meaningful, intimate relationships. And this sugya is the is one of the foundational sugyas for sex education in the Gemara, uh, one that every couple should learn and be taught by somebody who understands the sugya properly and how to apply it properly. Um, every couple should be taught this uh, before their marriage. Uh, but we won't go into the the full area of the halachot uh, here. That can, is something we could do at another time. Uh, but to deal with the very last piece of the Gemara, based on a very powerful verse in Yechezkel, Uvaroti mikem hamordim meguleihem. I will seek out those who have rebelled against me uh, in, in their places in which they've lived among the non-Jewish nations. They've lived around the world and they've lived a life that opposes everything I stand for. Otsiotam, I'll pull them out of there, and they will not come to settle in the holy land of, of Eretz Yisrael. And then you will see that I am Hashem, that I know who is who, who is worthy of coming and being part of the, uh, of the Messianic period, who is worthy of living within the boundaries of the sanctity of, of Eretz Yisrael. Who are these? Um, rebellious people who've stood against God out in the various countries of the world. Who are they? So Rabbi Levi tells us in our Gemara, These are the children of nine different qualities that were practiced by their parents at the time of intimacy from which they were conceived. So this piece of Gemara deals quite in a lot of detail with how the quality and the um, and, and the language, the wording, um, the relation, the quality of relationship during the moments of intimacy affect the character of the child that is conceived from that. So powerful is it. And Rabbi Levi lists uh, nine different um, attitudes in intimacy that have negative effect on the children and cause them to go against the the Torah, and therefore not be part of the, of the redemption. Ask, and one of them is B'nai Chatzufa. 
the children of a woman who has chutzpah. What does that mean? We're talking about a special type of chutzpah, says the Ran. When she wants intimacy, she demands it in a very vocal way, um, in a very forward way from her husband. Uh, and we'll see in a moment what's wrong with that. In fact, ask the Gemara of Omar Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, Omar Rabbi Yonason, did uh, Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmeni not say in the name of, of Rabbi Yonatan? Uh, just to, by the way, as I'm learning this and, and, and teaching this to you, and I look at Rabbi Yonason, who was a, a big figure, all of these figures were people who were in the early phases of the Israeli Amoraim, the early period of the Amoraim period, which is after the Mishnah is closed. This is after the year 200. Rabbi Yonasan is right at the beginning of that period. Uh, Rabbi Levi and Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmeni are a little bit later. And Rabbi Yonasan lived and taught in the city of Tveria. And I'm up in the north of Israel at the moment on the other side of the Amkineret on, on the hills overlooking Tveria. Uh, as I'm speaking to you, I'm looking at Tveria, at the town in which Rabbi Yonason must have taught this very principle, that kol adam On the contrary, Rabbi Yonason talked. If a person has a wife who actually demands intimacy, who actually stimulates him and, and, and re- requires of him to be intimate at the right times, they will have children. Such a person will have children who, is, who are so great that even in the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, there weren't people as great as that. So that this quality of the woman being somewhat forward, in fact, instills remarkable qualities in the children. How can Rabbi Levi say that the, the, they are B'nai Chatzufa? They're one of the types of people referred to in the in the powerful posuk in Tehillim, in, in Mechezkel, warning us that these are the people who will have no part in the future of Israel. How can that even be when Rabbi Yonason says this is a wonderful quality? Answers the Gemara, and this is the, the, the important phrase that we'll unpack, Hayi demeratsye artsuye. That's talking what, what uh, Rabbi Yonason was talking about, is not a woman who is, is very forward and, and, and coarse in her language, but the Meratia Artsuya, she uses her, her, her words, um, her conversation, as a form of oral foreplay. She uses that to, to establish the mood and create the, uh, the desire and set the scene. That's what she's doing. And we have two different uh, approaches in the slightly different, and both of them are completely valid and important. The one is the run, uh, where the run says, he uses Leah as the example. Leah, in some, some, some way she's criticized, which we'll see in this Gemara, not at all. That at the end of the day, Leah, didn't she do that with Yaakov when Yaakov came home that evening and he has two wives, each of them have their own homes, and Leah runs out to meet him and says, tonight you'll come to me. And who was born from that union? Yisachar, nobody less than the great Yisachar. And the children of Yisachar are the ones who are Yod Eibina. These are examples of people who understand, they have deep understanding and insight. And that's the type of person that didn't exist in the generation of, of Moshe. People studied Torah 
absorbed it, received it from Moshe, but the quality of Bina, which is the quality of being mechadesh, of, of innovating new ideas in Torah, that's a Yisochar idea that came later. That's a Yisochar quality um, and, and something that Yisochar specifically had. And the Gemara says he got it from the fact that that was the, the quality of relationship between his parents when he was conceived was one where Le'ah was quite forward. Uh, and that's what the Gemara is asking. If somebody like Leah did that, our, our, our foremother, uh, and, and she did that, and out of that came Yisachar, how can Rabbi Levi say that this is one of the midot that uh, have no part in the future of Yisrael? Answers the Gemara de Meratzi, and she explains the Ran, It's... You've got, to be, you've got to notice what, in fact, Leah is saying. She's using very subtle language. She's hinting. She didn't say to Yaakov, I want intimacy right now. Come and sleep with me. That's not what she said. She said, come, come inside for a cup of coffee. Uh, and, of course, there is the intonation, the understanding, the nuance of what that means. She didn't do it. Uh, up front, she allowed for the romance of language, for that, that, that moment of interest, of excitement. And even today, we know that that's the language that is used. Would you like to come up for a cup of coffee? And that allows the other person to think, oh, I wonder what this is. Does, does she really mean just a cup of coffee? Or does she want to spend uh, some time with me? Uh, might this lead to something more than that? That's all the, the, the romance, allowing the imagination to become active. But if you say it out loud, there's no room for imagination. And romance is all about imagination. And, and so it's important that the run explains that the woman is forward in the sense that she's active. She's not passive. She doesn't sit around waiting for him to be interested. She creates interest. She creates an environment of interest. She creates a mood of interest, but she does it in a way that engages his imagination, that doesn't just throw it all out in front of you. And that's the essence of tzniut. Tzniut lahatzniya means to hide, to hide the, the, the very literal uh, aspect of an, of an object or of a person or of language. Tzniut applies to language, just as it applies to a woman's body or a man's body, for that matter, or to actions. To be cloak them, to veil them in a little bit of mystery, so that the other party has the opportunity to utilize imagination and not to have it all thrown in front of them. And that's what's so missing today. It's missing in art and literature, and it's missing in conversation, and it's missing in, in male-female relationships. That ability to be subtle and allow imagination to have its place. Uh, there doesn't have to be a, such clarity, such black and white, that there is no room for imagination. That's how the run understands what Leah did and the difference between what Rabbi Levi says, the idea of B'nei Chatzufa, when it comes to the, to the level of chutzpah, of being too forward, and what Meratzia Artsuya means, what Rabbi Yonasan meant when he said that the children of such women are very, very great. The Tosfis Yeshonim has a slightly different approach, but so important and so incredibly beautiful. And the Tosfis Yeshonim says that when her language is and her intention, he talks more about his, her intention. If it's to engage him in the, in the intimacy, to allow him 
to, to build up his desire and, and to build up his connection and, and his want for her, then the problem with being very forward, says the Tosvis Yishonim, is it demonstrates that all she's interested in is her own sexual satisfaction. And that's okay, but it's very self-centered. It's not, that's not love and that's not romance. That's just physicality. That's something very different. But if she engages him in conversation in a more subtle way, then she's not, she's clearly not interested just in getting to bed with him as quickly as possible. That's not the, the issue. But it's more about making sure that he too has a wonderful experience in their intimacy. She's interested clearly in the fact that she's engaging him in this conversation and setting the scene and setting the mood. It's quite clear that she's interested not only in her own self-satisfaction, but also to be able to give him pleasure and to be able to um, provide him with an experience that, that brings them closer uh, and, and that he finds pleasurable and, and tranquil and meaningful. And that really is the essence of, of the physical relation, not only the physical, the emotional relationship as well, between man and woman, that when each puts the other first, when each is concerned that the other is happy, that the other is doing well, that the other is enjoying their relationship, enjoying their intimacy, then the greatest levels of passion between them can be achieved. When each is just interested in satisfying their own uh, sexual needs and urges, uh, that's mutual self-centeredness, that becomes... Um, as, as one of the Rishonim say, the Raivad, I think, actually says, it becomes close to a form of prostitution. Uh, yes, there's no exchange of, of money, and after all, it's a man and a woman who, who are married. All that's true. But if it's all about the fulfillment of their own gratification, that's all it is. That defines, um, in a sense, a relationship which is not one of Kedusha. A relationship with Kedusha is when each one is focused on the, on the pleasure and the benefit and the happiness of the other. And so if a woman just were to demand intimacy, that would show that she's focused on self. If she engages her husband in conversation in a way that arouses him, that shows that she's interested in his well-being too. And when both husband and wife are interested in each other's well-being, that's a relationship of shalom bayit, that's a relationship of peace, of happiness, of tranquility, and of passion.